0: Hi, this is Ann Robertson, the pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. This is the sermon from Sunday, February 18th, which is Transfiguration Sunday, the last Sunday before Lent. Not that that means a whole lot, since I'm not a lectionary preacher and didn't... We mentioned the Transfiguration in this sermon, but the focus really wasn't there. Neither was the focus primarily on the Corinthians passage that you'll hear read, but was on the Tower of Babel story, which was the Old Testament reading from Genesis 11, 1 through 9. In general, the theme was on building. The sermon title was simply the Tower of Babel, but the theme was about building. You hear that in Paul's letter, and there's reference to that in the transfiguration events. But it's primarily about the Tower of Babel and what I believe that has to say to us today. So, happy Lent as we move into this week of Ash Wednesday, and I hope you enjoy the sermon. Please remain standing for the New Testament reading, which comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in the third chapter, verses 9 through 11. For we are God's servants, working together. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. The foundation is Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The Tower of Babel story that Betsy read for us doesn't have any reference to time in it, other than being placed in the book of Genesis sometime after the Great Flood and before Abraham. Since the usual date floated for Abraham is somewhere around 2000 BC, this story would be before that. Just to put it into context, that would mean it was before the use of horses to pull vehicles, before the discovery of glass, or the development of boats with masts. It was at least a thousand years before the Babylonian Emperor Hammurabi created his famous legal code, and about 2,000 years before King Tut ruled Egypt. In other words, it was a long time ago. Many see the story as a legend, inserted to give us a reason for the many different languages across the face of the earth. Others believe it was a historical event somewhere in the prehistory of civilization. To me, the truth of the story comes through no matter what you believe about whether it happened or not. If you get hung up on worrying about whether the story is historically true or not, I think you'll miss the deeper truth that the story is trying to bring us. Simply put, I think the Tower of Babel story tells us two important things. The first one is that why we build is generally more important than what we build. And the second thing is that God's purpose for us is to be scattered across the face of the earth. So I want to look at each of those in turn. There are many, many places in the Bible that indicate to us that as far as God is concerned, our motivation for action is far more important than the action itself in terms of how God looks at it. What we do certainly affects those around us, but when God is looking at an action and saying, okay, was this a good thing or a bad thing? It's not the action, it's the reason in the heart and the motivation that prompted it that God looks at. The last line of Romans 14 goes so far as to say, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. It's not as easy as do this, but don't do that. In lots of cases, the exact same action will earn one person praise and another rebuke just because one person did it for a good reason and another person did it for a not-so-good reason. Our legal system recognizes this all the time. If you cause someone's death, what happens to you in court has everything to do with why it happened and why you did it. If you intended to kill a person, that's bad. If you planned it for days, that's even worse. If it was an accident, you get off with a much lighter sentence. The problem with the Tower of Babel was not the building of the tower. It was the reason they built the tower that ended up getting them in trouble. Verse 4 explains that. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. They built the tower to make a name for themselves. If they had said, let us build a tower to proclaim the glory of God, they might well still be in it to this day. The tower was built as an act of pride. As a church, we must never build either a physical structure or any sort of program or ministry in order to make a name for ourselves. If we do, we'll eventually have a large, lovely, empty church or a large, thriving social club. The Spirit of God will leave this place when we seek to exalt ourselves. We must always do what we do for the glory of God and to serve the mission of spreading the love of God made known to us in Jesus. The same thing is true in our personal lives. If you're building your career or your reputation or your legacy in order to make a name for yourself, it will all be in vain. You might end up rich or famous or well thought of by everyone. But if your life has only been about you, It will not outlast you. Even if you manage to garner tons of media coverage at your death, like Anna Nicole Smith, the circus we've been enduring this past week. it's like, please make it go away. (laughs) But when our bodies return to dust, so will all our accomplishments. The World Trade Center was brought to dust in minutes. The splendid buildings, the wealthy corporations, the important people all gone in an instant. The only thing that lasts from those lives and that place is the love that was experienced and expressed. The rest isn't important anymore. Why we do something in the end matters more than what we do. That's the first lesson from the story. And we get that truth whether there really was a tower or there really wasn't. That's what God inspired the writers to let us know. The writers tell us about a tower that was doomed even before construction because it was built in order for the people to make a name for themselves. The second truth this story brings is related to that. We're not put here just to get comfortable. We have a purpose beyond ourselves. We're sent out to the world, to each other. In one sense, the Tower of Babel story is a mirror to the call of Abraham, which comes in the very next chapter. In chapter 12, God calls Abraham to pack up his family, leave his home, and travel to an unknown land. God's purpose in calling Abraham and his descendants is so that all the families of the earth shall be blessed, says in chapter 12, verse 3. Abraham is sent out of his comfort zone, And the intention is for all of his descendants to do likewise, to leave home and to go out into the world to be a blessing to all nations. The people in the Tower of Babel story were settling down. They decided to stay together in one place and to make a name for themselves. No more nomadic lifestyle following the sheep hither and yon. They could stay together and build a great city where people from all over would come and marvel at what they had done. God's answer to that desire to settle where we're comfortable is not only the loud no of the Tower of Babel story. God's answer is also the call of Abraham in the next chapter. It's not just a negative, no, you can't do that, but it's the positive, and I am calling you to do this. Abraham, who was settled in the great city of Ur, gets plucked out of his comfortable life and sent by God out as a nomad so that others may be blessed through him. The temptation of the people to build the Tower of Babel is the same thing that Peter faced back on the Mount of Transfiguration. If you remember that story when Peter, James, and John are up on a mountain with Jesus having this amazing experience... It's so good up there that Peter suggests, hey, you know, why don't we just stay here? There's been this great vision, and if you remember, Moses appears, and Elijah appears, and Jesus appears. And Peter says, you know, this just feels really good. I think we should just stay here on top of the mountain, and we'll build a little house over here for Elijah, and then another one over here for Moses, and one for Jesus, and we'll just all hang out on the mountain. But that's not right. And Jesus, no, no, no. There's work to be done in the valley. It's good to have the great experience, but you got to go down and back to work. You can't just stay put where it feels good. The words of Jesus that we call the Great Commission say, go into all the world and make disciples. It doesn't say, build a great church and let the world come to you. As a church, we exist to facilitate the sending out and not the coming in. We welcome people in so that they might be transformed by the love of God and sent out to proclaim the love of God to all nations. The church has often misinterpreted this, I think, and the church has gone out trying to drag people in, kicking and screaming sometimes. We've even killed them if they've refused to come in. We're not called to bring others where we are, but to go to others and meet them where they are. Abraham didn't travel to Canaan and bring everybody back to Ur, to his hometown. Jesus didn't go out among the people and drag them into the synagogue. He didn't even make them obey the law. He didn't obey the law himself, for that matter. Jesus went out and recklessly gave away God's love, even to the worst of sinners. When they received that love... They may or may not have become good Jews, but they did receive eternal life. A few weeks ago, we talked about the church as a ship. And another helpful metaphor, I think, for our task is the lighthouse. A lighthouse doesn't exist for the keeper that tends it. A lighthouse exists to point the way to those who are lost, those who don't know the area, those whose eyes are blinded by a storm, those who are in danger of crashing upon the rocks. The lighthouse doesn't discriminate. It doesn't shine the light only for the smart ones or only for the friendly ones. Even enemies benefit from the light of a lighthouse. And if the light goes out, the most beautiful structure in the world and the most talented keeper are still a waste of space. We in the church are charged with keeping that light. Our lighthouse is not for us, it's not here to make a name for ourselves, and it's not to build a comfortable dwelling for us. The Church of Jesus Christ was built so that from it the light of God could shine on a world world in danger of crashing onto the rocks. We exist for those who are lost at sea and blinded by the storm, whether their friend or foe is immaterial. We're charged with keeping the light so that it shines brightly for everyone. And what is true for the church as an organization is true for the church as each one of us, the body of Christ. As I construct my life across the years, my job as a Christian is to keep the light of Christ lit in me. If I go somewhere and say, oh, it's completely dark here, That's my fault, because I should at least have brought some little bit of light with me. In fact, if there isn't any darkness, there's not any need for a lighthouse. Into the dark is exactly where we should be going to carry the light of God. The book of Revelation tells us there isn't any church in heaven. The lamb is the light of the city of God, it says. We exist here and now to be a light in the dark. If we never put ourselves in the dark places of the world, but want to stay where it's comfortable and light around us, we may as well not exist. I invite you to look across the days and weeks at what you're building in your life, about what we build here as a congregation. Are we building towers to make a name for ourselves? If so, you can expect that God at some point will reach down and confuse the heck out of your life. The Tower of Babel story reminds us of that. Shake it up, send him out, not getting too comfortable, uh-uh, shake it up. Making a name for ourselves is not why God put us here and gave us breath. And sometimes God does have to shake us up to get us to listen. As a church, we must always ask ourselves, why are we doing what we're doing? Is it for ourselves? Is it for others? Is it for the glory of God? When was the last time you took God's light into a dark place? Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts. I'd love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at an at Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings.